Happy week two of Advent. Advent is upon us. Um, last week, week number one of Advent. What is, remind me what Advent, what is Advent about? What does it mean? Yeah, arriving, coming. Uh, it's the season, the four-week season, where we, um, along with Christ followers around the world, we enter into a season of anticipation. Uh, anticipation that uh, God has sent His Son into the world. That uh, the light of God has come into the darkness of our fallen, broken world to bring us hope. We saw that in Jesus and in the incarnation of the Son of God 2,000 years ago. He has come, and so we wait with hope. And yet also... He has gone, promising to come again and make all things right. And so we wait with still anticipation that he will return again, okay? And so we are in a series in Advent. We had been walking through the scriptures talking about um, Holy Spirit and what does it mean to be a Spirit-filled human, a Spirit-filled Christ follower. And then now that Advent is here, we're examining especially how does the Spirit of God help us wait faithfully on God, okay? So if you want to open up in Scripture or in your weekly liturgy handout, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, looking at how the Spirit upholds us in our waiting. While you're opening there, I want to uh, remind you, or if you weren't here last week when we first announced it, for our year-end giving, uh, a family uh, close to TCLA has uh, given a $30,000 matching grant for us. Yeah, that's, that's huge. $30,000 matching grant. want to encourage you to consider how at year end you can give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings in order to take as much advantage of this opportunity as we can and pivot into next year looking at the ways that we can continue to press forward on mission here, following Jesus together, making disciples of Jesus, loving our community in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the way that you can do that on, um, online at tcla.co slash give. There's a fund called 2023 Year End Giving in the drop-down menu, or you can write 2023 Year End or something that alludes to that on a check or an envelope and put it over here in the giving box on a Sunday. Also, I want to remind you, we mentioned last week, that we have an Advent devotional. Okay, One of the things that really helps us to embrace the season of Advent that is so hard for us to embrace is by daily meditations on the scriptures and a few practices that help us use our bodies in order to lead our souls into the posture of waiting. And so you can download a PDF of that on the flow code that you see um, on the back of chairs or on the back of your weekly liturgy handout. Scan that, go to the flow code. You can download it there. We have printouts of it if you're a mission partner that we can give you in the back as well. All right, Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 25 through 35. Would you stand with me? It's an expression of reverence for God's word in the scriptures. I will read this and pray and we will unpack God's word together. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to Israel's consolation. 
and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents, that is of Jesus, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will, be, will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we open your scriptures, we submit ourselves at your feet. We ask by your spirit that you would open our eyes to see the glory of your Son. Make us deeply and intimately aware of what we bring into this room this morning, our experiences of brokenness and pain, of sorrow and lament, the darkness in our world that we have encountered, that we have seen, that we even see within us, that as we see the light of your Son, we might have greater hope this Advent season. Would you teach us now? Would you train us now to learn to wait upon you and with you? We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. All right, you can take a seat. So, in this story, in the Gospel of Luke... We see a man named Simeon who was waiting, or who was uh, filled with God's Spirit. It's implied that he had been waiting a long time. He had been waiting for Israel's consolation, meaning he had been waiting for God to fulfill his promises to Israel. So you read through the Old Testament scriptures and you see promise upon promise that God had given to his people Israel. And Simeon was a man who was full of faith in the God of Israel to to fulfill his promises, to comfort, to strengthen, to deliver the people of Israel from, in this specific moment, the occupation of Rome, the, the, the temple system that had taken God and put him into the temple, the Holy of Holies, where people could approach him, but not fully encounter him and experience him as the promises had been given. 
And Simeon was waiting. It says that he was a man upon whom the Spirit of God rested. That he was a man who, in the words of Luke, was righteous and devout. Devout is a word in the original language that simply means God-fearing. Okay? So he, was, he lived under this reverential awe of God, and he was righteous. These two words just sound to us like spiritual language that has lost a lot of meaning. To some of us, they might even have a negative connotation of being a really, really religious kind of person. But in their essence, it simply means someone who loves God, who submits themselves to God, to his will, who listens to his word, who seeks to live for him in honor of God, devout. And righteous is simply a way of saying, holding right accounts with people around you horizontally. Okay, So there's a vertical element and there's a horizontal element. No one can come to you if you are righteous and uphold some accusation of wrongdoing. Okay, One scholar says that the righteous, this is particularly of the way that the Old Testament scriptures use the word righteous, that the word righteous means someone who disadvantages themselves for the sake or benefit of the community around them. The unrighteous, on the other hand, are those who take advantage and disadvantage the community around them for their own gain. All right? So, it doesn't take very much looking around for us to see people who use their power in order to take advantage of others around them, who use their power to extort or extract from people around them. Okay, That would be unrighteous. Simeon is a man who uses what he has to be a blessing to his neighbor, to serve, to love. This is a man upon whom God's Spirit is pleased to rest. We've been learning to pray this year. We've been seeking as a people to learn how to be filled with and to follow and to walk in God's Spirit. There's a kind of way in which we can devote ourselves to following Jesus that God's Spirit is pleased to rest on. Righteous and devout does not mean sinless and faultless and perfect. It means that as you stumble and fall, you pick yourself back up, keep going with the commitment to keep following Jesus and growing in love for God and love for neighbor. God's Spirit rests upon him. God's Spirit had actually also revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen God's Messiah. As we wait on God, we're called to love God and love neighbor. All right? So this Advent, we're waiting. We're in a season of waiting. A way to wait faithfully is to check ourselves, to ask ourselves, God, I want to live in love for you and live in love for neighbor, devout and righteous before you, not because of my own power, strength, or goodness, but because of your willingness to empower me in that by your Spirit. And as you wait on God, do you want to know what God's Spirit can actually do? God's Spirit actually leads, speaks, and guides us. We bless God for His Word in the Scriptures. 
but there's also a kind of intimacy that we can have that we too can experience this kind of assurance from God's Spirit. Simeon had experienced a kind of assurance that God would give him the particular blessing of seeing God's Messiah before he dies. I long for that, a kind of intimacy with God that we can hear His Spirit speak and lead. And as we've learned to pray, we've begun to hear more and more the leading of God's Spirit. What a gift in the midst of our waiting. And it's fundamental to the way that God's Spirit can uphold us in our waiting. Then Luke says that the Spirit led Simeon into the temple. The Spirit led Simeon into the temple so that he could see Mary and Joseph presenting the baby Jesus in the temple on the eighth day, preparing the sacrifice that God had called for the firstborn of for every firstborn son to, in every faithful family of Israel to be presented and devoted to God. So, what do we see that can help us in the midst of our waiting for God? in this season of Advent. The first simple observation that I want to put before you is that God's Spirit in your waiting will lead you to Jesus. We don't wait just for the sake of waiting. We don't wait just for the sake of self-denial. We don't wait just so we can put on the badge of approval to say, look what we did for God, how great we are for God. We wait because we long for more of Jesus and God's Spirit is the power of God in the world upon us and within us to lead us to the risen Christ. In yours and my waiting, the Spirit will lead you and I to Jesus. We hate waiting, right? We hate it. Thank you. Amen. We hate it. Waiting in the Scriptures is fundamental to how God leads His people. If you're here this morning as a follower of Christ, you must be able to remain in the terrible tension of having encountered and committed yourself to following Jesus and still waiting for the fulfillment of more of His promises to you. And sometimes it's more acute than that. Sometimes it's visceral. Sometimes it's stuff that we need. We, we're waiting for God's provision. We don't even have money to pay rent necessarily. And we're waiting on God to provide for us. Sometimes it's in a season of pain and we're waiting for the healing that God speaks over His people. The provision, the peace that God speaks over His people. The mental anguish that's so common in our society that dehumanizes us and turns us into consumption machines thinking that that's where we'll find life. And then we're surprised when we feel anxious and afraid and depressed. And we're waiting for God to comfort us. 
Don't let yourself become distracted in this season of Advent with all of its bells and whistles, the Christmas music playing, the advertisements going. You will be happy and comforted and peaceful if, right? I always joke with Kate, my wife, when we see a commercial um, for like a new car, in Christmas time, you know, there's like the husband who surprises his wife or the wife who surprises her husband with a big, huge bow on top of a car that's in the driveway. And I say, babe, do you want, she drive, we drive this old car. Her, she in particular is driving this car. It's more fuel efficient. She has to drive further than I do. And it is just this beat up 2007 Mitsubishi Outlander. And the license plate so matches the aesthetic of the car because the last four digits of the license plate are P000. <laughs> and so our joke is it's the poo car. It's just this, <laughs> this thing that gets you from A to B. It's beat up, dented. I just backed into some, up into something this week, added to the visual aesthetic. And so I joke with her when I see those commercials because, you know, the person looks so happy. I think there's like no commercial where the person doesn't look happy. And I say, wouldn't you just be so happy if I indebted us like thirty to $50,000 more so that you could drive something different than this car? She's like, I would kill you if you did that. <laughs> We're so aware sometimes how the commercials lie to us, how the season lies to us, and yet we still can become so distracted that the, the words spoken over us, that the marketing to us, more stuff, more consumption will satisfy. If you're following Jesus this Advent, I would encourage you to not become distracted and not believe the lie that more stuff, that a new iPhone made with titanium, <laughs> that more consuming of things can possibly get you what you want. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is the whole message. We see it embodied in Simeon himself, that we have waited for God's Messiah, and in Jesus, he has come. But he has come in a surprising way. Because the Spirit will lead you to Jesus this Advent, in the midst of our waiting, But Jesus will test you. Maybe you're surprised by that. Simeon prophesies something critical about Jesus in verses 34 and 35. He turns to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he says, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And then continuing his thought, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Simeon is speaking over the Messiah, Jesus, that his destiny as God's Messiah, the long-awaited one, is to expose the hearts of humanity. Don't miss it. Simeon knows that Jesus is the Savior. He says, My eyes have seen your salvation. 
Jesus himself is the salvation of God. Yes and amen. But the salvation of God comes to us in a way that tests us for what we really desire. And so as we wait in Advent, the Spirit shows us Jesus. We are comforted, and yet we are challenged. Because Jesus reveals our hearts. Jesus reveals what we were really waiting for. The problem in the darkness in the world is not just something outside of us, but something that is even within us. And a lot of times, we ourselves are even tricked about what we really want. Okay, I watched the Heisman Trophy ceremony yesterday. Um, the quarterback of my alma mater was up for nomination, Michael Penix, the University of Washington. I was hoping, I was waiting for him to get the Heisman Trophy, thought that he was the most worthy of getting it, but he didn't get it. All right, it's the way sports goes. Um, but there was a peculiar moment, a very interesting moment, right? They all, all four candidates wearing gorgeous suits, right? Beautiful suits, full display. Michael Penix had this suede purple, uh, University of Washington purple and gold, suede purple, but it was like classy purple. It wasn't like bright purple suit. And there were a couple of really interesting moments where it's now become a thing where on the inside of your suit, something special is revealed. Michael Penix from the University of Washington opens up his suit and knit into the white lining of his suit are all the names of his coaches and teammates. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He knows that in a very real way, a team sport like football, you are nothing without your teammates. He's not a, there's, he has no hope of completing any passes if he doesn't have great receivers who are working their tails off too at being great. The winner of the Heisman Trophy also revealed the inside lining of his suit coat. And throughout the interior lining, were pictures, photos of himself. <laughs> now, we laugh seeing those two held up together. What just appears beautiful, perfectly manicured and hemmed on the outside while on the inside, two very different postures are revealed. Jesus came to cut through all the noise, to cut through all the trappings, to cut through all the exteriority of how we live before one another and before God in order to open up the inside, in order to reveal what our posture is. And we all hear that little glimpse and we, we scoff. How could you possibly be so self, self-centered, self-promoting 
But what if we were to crack open our budgets? What if we were to crack open our calendars? What if we were to crack open our thoughts as we're standing in line at the grocery store and have nothing to entertain us or distract us? What rises up in our hearts? As you read on in the Gospels and you hear the teachings of Jesus, what He was most determined to reveal were the hearts of those who were following Him. A crowd would gather around Him and He'd sort of be committed to saying the hardest thing He could possibly say to thin out the seats. Because He knew Showing up in a crowd, it doesn't matter. It's actually deceptive. You know, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, Advent and waiting is a time for you to to just open up your heart and say, Lord, would you search me in any way? Open up the suit coat of my life. Help me see what is on the inside. Because I don't need more of me. I need more of you. And I know I live in a world that tells me I need more of me. That tells me, you know, I just need more self-care. That I'm entitled to self-centeredness if it means I can get healthy. But that anthropology is, is corrupted. Because we don't need more self-care. We need a more caring community around us. We need to be knit into something that's bigger than us in order to experience health. That's what we're supposed to be as a church. And so you'll constantly hear us inviting you from the crowd into community. Because we need one another in order to have our hearts revealed. In order to be made whole. In order to not just speak of Jesus, but to embody Jesus. And then as we link arms together, we go out into the world together as His people to go out in love. And so, Jesus, how, how, does, how would He test you to reveal what's in your heart this morning? We need to wait with our eyes fixed on Him. But as we see His glory, as we see His compassion, as we see Him giving His life for us, taking on so much discomfort in order to be our consolation, how does He call us as we draw near to Him? Maybe maybe I could put it this way. How does Jesus expose what's in the human heart? Jesus exposes our hearts by teaching. We know whether we love him or not by whether we obey him. And I know many of us grew up in a church culture that said you're saved apart from anything that you do. And it's true, grace is free. It is a gift that is given by a loving and gracious God. But 
Our hearts are revealed whether we love God or not in devotion and whether we love our brothers and sisters or not based on whether we listen to Jesus. In John 14, 21, or 14, 23 through 24 rather, Jesus explicitly said, if you love me, you'll listen to me. You will obey me. John picks up this teaching again in 1 John 4. He says, anyone who loves God will listen to him. So, the invitation of this Advent in the least condemning way, in the least judgmental way, what you will not receive here or from me is the rubbing of your nose in your failures. Because what we need in the revealing of our waiting and in the testing of God is to see that the testing is a blessing. Because so much of the reason why God doesn't seem real to us is because we're tangled up in ourselves. We're tangled up in the darkness so that we can't get to the light to live and dwell in that place of joy and peace, communion with God, shared life with God and experiencing His love and in a way that feels real to us among ourselves that we could just actually love each other, that we could enter into a community and say, I can be weak and broken here and know that I won't be judged, but I can also bring my need here and know that I'll be served and loved. I am blown away at how I get a front row seat to the way that so many of you love each other. It's so encouraging to me to see the way that you have experienced the love of Jesus And in love for Him, you serve and love each other. People giving money, people giving time, people giving compassion, people strengthening one another, people praying for one another, people partnering together with one another in pursuits of mercy and justice in our city. I want to encourage you, if you haven't jumped in, if you're still on the periphery, let Advent be a a season where you jump into community. Join a missional community where we share a meal together during the week, where we break bread together at a table of fellowship. Jump into a discipleship group where you can be vulnerable in your need and your brokenness, be prayed for, encouraged, and strengthened. So, the Spirit opens our eyes to Jesus, but Jesus tests us in our waiting. And testing is a gift to you and I, because God wants to give us more of Himself this Advent season. And everything that could cause us To stumble in our testing is something that causes us to stumble in our pursuit of Jesus. And so my encouragement as we pivot to pray is to open our hearts up to Jesus. To say, Jesus, would you come here? You said wherever two or three are gathered, there you are among us. Spirit of God, would you just reveal in our hearts and our lives where we are not as devoted to you as we could be, where we're not as righteous as we ought to be in love toward one another, 
that we could just give that over to you and say, take more of me, Jesus. And by the giving of his spirit, we have a promise that he will transform you and I. And with transformation comes greater joy, greater peace, greater hope, and greater love. But also, greater purpose and usefulness in the hand of our Father in heaven who wants to make us salt and light to go out into a dark world that needs hope. And so this Advent is not about us. Though we're invited in, and I want to encourage you as you wait, and maybe to embody this during the week, what you need, take that devotional every day, start your day reading through the meditation, the simple scripture. It takes you no more than 10 minutes, and that's giving like five minutes to just silent, prayerful reflection. Very short, so that you can fix your eyes on Jesus. You can allow him to radiate his glory into your heart, reveal any darkness in your life and our life together that we can be transformed for the sake of our city and the glory of God. Because here's the thing. We want to be a church here in West L.A., near this university, in this context, a hundred years from now. Think about that. I know so many of you are just fixed on that next step, and you know it takes planning, it takes purpose in that. But as a people, when none of us are here in 100 years, what would it be like to know that Jesus has a, a community that he is dwelling amidst, that his word and the kingdom is going out from in the midst of here, that people can come from all over the world into this place, be sent out back into the world as mature witnesses, disciples of Jesus Christ. Advent's a simple invitation to see Jesus, be tested by him, be purified for him, so that our legacy can continue on as well. So we're going to pray now. And I want to invite us to see Jesus and hunger for him. Maybe you feel a little bit numb today. Maybe you feel a little apathetic. Maybe you feel no hunger whatsoever for God in your life. Now is a moment for simple honesty and authenticity to fan into flame where our real need is, that we could say with the psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire.